Hey guys, this is Joe. That, the car, the Camaro. Remember I was telling you about it before? It doesn't work. Nothing works. My little brother, he's building a space shuttle out of household appliances. You know, like vacuum cleaners and blenders. That thing's probably going to work. I can't get this thing out of the driveway. Hey guys, it's Eric. Listen, Lane, I think we should talk. We've been seeing an awful lot of each other lately, and I really think it's in my best interest if I went on with someone more popular, better looking, drives a nicer car. Does it ever feel like everyone's got more going than you do? Oops. Well, you might be right. You look pretty stupid to me. Thank you. But all you need is guts. When you want to race, I'll take you on any day, sucker. And you'll never doubt yourself again. I haven't even been to New York City. Better off dead. Now, that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. Rated BG. Sneak preview Saturday, October 5th. Check newspapers. You're listening to Worth a Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if they've been paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Uh, nothing really new, Eric. How about you? Oh, I will say, though, school's starting back up. So that's a pretty big change oh, in my yeah. work schedule right now. So that's been kind of wild, work-related-wise. Lots yeah. of preparing for in-person meets because everything was virtual throughout most of the year obviously and then a little bit into this year so it's going to be it's very weird building curriculum for in-person meets again after building so much of it for online only stuff i feel like you forgot how to do it yeah like i honestly like worksheets are like a thing in the past for me now so i'm trying to figure out like a lot of it was like discussion base and you know more of just like activities and all that to keep them interested but now like we have going back to our worksheets and it's like are they gonna like this anymore (laughs) Well, the good news is, tough shit if they like it or not. <laughs> it's, right. it's school. You're not supposed That's to like it, really. Right. So, you know, I didn't like it. No one ever asked my opinion <laughs> in school. So I think you're okay. Oh, man. You watching anything good? Yeah, I actually been, uh, I watched the first two episodes of Hulu's new series with, uh, yeah. I don't know if you heard, uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, only Murray's in the building. No, it's a pretty funny... it, but that sounds like something I would like. Yeah, it's it's a fun crime series, but again, Steve Martin, Martin Short, them two together is just like <clears throat> legendary comic comedic Martin status. Martin Short, Martin Short is one of the like for, for I think for our, I think a lot of people our generation don't know how funny Martin Short is, and he's also one of the pe- people who. You may or may not, you may or may not find him really funny in some of his movies. If you watch that guy just talking, like being interviewed by someone he knows or whatever, he is one of the funniest, like most, like biggest wise asses in a good way. Like he's so quick. He's so quick. Like if, if someone rags on like Kona, for example, he's, he's into oh. a lot. Yeah, Martin Short can bring it right back to him. So it's like it's funny seeing those two pair off. It's almost like how he was with like Bill Burr. How it's like yep. that comedic approach to the two of them. It's just that's great. Yep. No, but, no, he's the man. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Say, send me that later. I'll, I'll, I'll. Bree and I are kind of looking for something to watch, and that sounds like that could be a. Yes, it's only candidate. three episodes. Like they just it just premiered yesterday, and they've released three episodes. I'm gonna be doing I think a weekly thing from here on out. But yeah, so far I really liked what I watched. Nice, nice. All right. Yeah. How about you? No, not really. Uh, nothing, nothing too good. Still watching The Wire. We 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 watched uh, the first episode. We watched and liked 
the first episode of what was that show you recommended on Apple TV about the British couple? Oh, yes, trying. Trying, yeah. Dude. We we watched the first episode of that, really liked it. Yes. Um, it's very Brie and I, like the guy and the girl, the the girl being like super emotional. And, <laughs> and Brie would admit that. Brie told me that. She was like, so it's not me talking trash about my wife. Um <laughs> so yeah, that was good. Other than that, we Joe and I went last week uh and saw back to the future annual back to the future showing at chunkies that was great and then uh just watching the red sox crash and burn and <laughs> yeah. ruin the whole every season. day is a new uh yeah. co- player new uncovered uh, protocol now so i'm just like yeah. i'm pretty soon gonna be taking out people from the farm system <laughs> well then i can't i don't even know his name i can't remember his name today right now but he's making his mlb debut tonight and he he's like played like you know a thousand minor league games or something. Oh, wow. Okay. And, which, so it's kind of a cool story. It's cool. But, yeah. But I wish it was like a cool story with them, like five games up in the division. And, <laughs> right. You know, so, but it's Chris Sale day today. So maybe they'll get a win. I don't know, who knows? <laughs> Literally carrying this team at this point, it feels like. Yep. 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 But um, so you guys heard the trailer. You heard our quotes, which you may or may not have picked up on the quotes if you didn't hear the trailer, because we picked some kind of obscure quotes, but. Today, we're going to be uh, talking about the movie Better Off Dead. And we'll get into why we're talking about that movie in a second. Um, but drinking, I wasn't sure how to handle this. I kind of picked this and then I like hesitated. But so there's this beer called Things We Don't Say. It's actually a partnership between a bunch of breweries in the country. I think like 200 plus breweries-ish. Um, this one's from Eagle Park Brewing, and it just kind of goes towards it goes towards like mental health awareness. And so, even though this is a comedy, uh, suicide is a part of it, kind of. Um, and so I was like, you know what? And I've, I've actually had this beer before; it's pretty good. And like I said, just we're gonna end the serious conversation here, but it's good to be aware of mental health stuff and let people know that you're there for them if they need to talk and all that stuff. So. Uh, beer is uh, things we don't say from Eagle Park Brewing, but you may be able to find it from Eagle Park or another one of your a, blo- a brewer closer to you, um, because it's like I said, it's a partnership between a bunch of breweries in the in the country. So, so the movie, Better Off Dead, and why we picked it. <clears throat> this is a listener request from loyal listener Brian. Um, we put it off for a while because we were trying to get some summer films out of the way, <clears throat> but we needed to we got caught up and so better late than never. And I actually texted Brian the other day. Cause I, before we get, would you know, Joe, why this movie is so hard to find on streaming? Like why I feel like this is the first movie we've ever talked about where you couldn't, you couldn't stream it if you wanted to pay for it. Like I would, I would have just rented it from Amazon. Yeah. It was so tough to find. I ended up, so I went, cause you bought a bull moose. You were saying you yeah. bought a used copy. I had to buy a copy on Amazon by buying it new. It wasn't in stock, so it wouldn't get to me in time. So I had to buy a used copy through Amazon Warehouse for a little cheaper, which is a nice thing. But that's the only way it would get to me in time is because it's, it's wild how like how to find this movie is. But <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I'm like, I, I don't I don't understand why. Like I said, there, you could pick the most obscure movie ever and go on Amazon Prime. And, you know, it may not be free, but if you're willing to pay $2.99 or whatever, you can rent it. This movie is like it was wiped off the earth. I was like, I don't know. But Anyway, so I tell I, I started saying is when I got the DVD the other day, I texted Brian and I was like, I let him know, you know, it's up next. And but more than that, knowing Brian, I was like, why is Brian requesting this movie? Just because 
not no knock on the movie at all. It just it just seemed like weird that that he liked it. If if you had me name like guess a hundred of Brian's favorite films, this wouldn't have been on the list. His other request, Days of Thunder, I would have got that in a second. I knew he would have picked that, but didn't see this one coming. But so that's why we picked it. Listener request <clears throat> and other listeners, feel free to send him in to worth a late fee on Instagram. Worth a late fee. Um, but what was your memory of this? You said you hadn't seen this one, right? This is my first time seeing it. And my only memory of it was the front cover. The front cover was iconic of him kind of like what looked like he was laying back. It was cool as all hell. But not, not, I didn't really know anything about this movie going into other than I love John Cusack. And the cover was always something I recognize. Yeah, I, uh, I have seen this movie. I hadn't seen it in a very long time. Um, and I, I kind of, I'll admit, I think this one kind of fell behind, like, say anything to me. It was kind of like the other 80s John Cusack teen romance movie. And if you had asked me before rewatching it the other day to give you the plot, I would have been like, I remember Cusack gets dumped and then there's a cute French girl. That's the only thing I would have been able to give you. A recent memory of the film, though. Cool story. So I watched this Monday night and then I went and trained Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And one of the guys I was training with, he's kind of a movie guy and he's an 80s movie guy. So I, I mentioned that I just watched it and it was fresh in my mind. So uh, we started talking about it and everything. And through our, our training session that day, I had like this, we had this reoccurring joke where every time I got him in like a horrible spa where he had to give up, I, tell, I was telling him I wanted my $2. So I would get like, I'd set up a submission and get it and he'd, st- he'd like tap and I would let go. I would stop like actually doing the submission, but I'd keep my grip and I'd be like, I want my, I want my $2. Give me my $2. And he was laughing. So, you know what I will say, cause you just brought that up. I, <clears throat> I didn't see this movie. I didn't know much about it, but as I was watching it, the quotes and some of the lines in it, I was like, holy shit, that's where this came from. So like, I knew oh, yeah, the, some of the lines and how horrible <clears throat> it was going into it. But other than that though, like the $2 yeah. line is so funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel like our parents' generation or like, if you had like an older cousin, maybe, that that was like the, the I want my two dollars is I, I agree that's definitely something you, you hear. So, um, do you have any stats as far as how this one did um, financially? So, Better Off Dead came out on August twenty third, nineteen eighty five, and while I couldn't find the budget of it, it did end up making ten point three million in the box office. It was directed and written by Savage Steve Holland, who did some films with back to back Cusack films to jumpstart his movie career. Greatest name in. Oh, dude. It sounds it's like wild. a porn director. So, sounds like a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> um, since his movies, and he was really heavily into movies in the beginning of his career, but he slowly transitioned into animated shows and lots of Nickelodeon live action ones. His most recently worked on show was uh, called Malibu Rescue, which is on Netflix now. And it won two movies in a season with the last iteration premiering in 2020. So he's still very much active. That's cool. Good for him. Like I said, greatest name. Definitely <laughs> the greatest director name we've talked about so far. And he knows it too because his opening for the Better Off Dead, like he like really takes advantage of his name. Like that's everything I remember from that opening animated sequence. It's his name in big <clears throat> letters. <laughs> yeah. So he's aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to keep that, I think it's funny that of all the name changes you hear about with like Hollywood actors and directors, he was like, I wonder if he, I, I would like the history of that name. Like, is that his birth name? Did he know. add Savage as like a weird thing? I don't and know, because if, it's possible because I was looking at some of the quotes and sometimes a lot of the quotes and facts with him, they put Savage in quotations. <clears throat> okay. So, so yeah, 
maybe it's a nickname. If that is a nickname and you have the balls to be like, <laughs> I'm putting that on my, <laughs> I'm actually calling myself that, then, you know, good for you, I guess. Um, so critically, not bad if you look at the reviews now. Definitely a cult classic kind of though, because it didn't do too well in theater. So, but now though, looking back on it, 7.1 out of 10, 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. But to, again, go back to when it came out, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down. And I actually watched, I couldn't find like a text review from Ebert. So I watched the uh, Siskel and Ebert go to the movies on, on YouTube and Ebert said that the title of Better Off Dead was one of the most appropriate titles of all time because he hated this movie so much. He wished that this movie was dead. Jeez. Yeah. So Ebert's not a fan, which isn't surprising. It's it's because this movie has flaws that kind of line up with his his pet peeve. So yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And like if that's something I can't like. It's very very ridiculous. Some of the sequences and it's. Feels like I'm like I'm on an acid trip as I'm watching this movie, but it's something I can't imagine Roger being all about right, right. into the film. Yeah, I'll talk about that later, but it, it kind of it's I some of its flaws I liked, but but I, yeah, I'll I'll talk. I about loved it. Later, it. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say that right now. So. <laughs> yeah, so you said it came on August of 1985. Yep, that was a pretty good month for for film, especially 80s. Like I mean, obviously it's the 80s, but films we think of as as stereotypical 80s movies so weird science classic kelly lebrock total 80s babe good lord um uh, also jewel of the nile with michael douglas and captain turner real genius with val kilmer and then teen wolf with the one and only michael j fox outside of film two baseball memories that i normally would not mention but they both made me think of adam sandler so Yankees retired Phil Rizzuto's number 10, which that makes me think of uh, uh, Billy Madison, where he's like uh, Rizzuto when he's trying to write uh, comma. He's trying to, he's, try, uh, he's trying to use cursive and write um, Rizzuto and he writes Rizzuto. Um, and then Rod Carew, Hall of Famer, Rod Carew collects his uh, 1,000th hit for the Angels. Um, also, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's announced. I don't think it was built yet, but they announced the establishment of it. And then the Night Stalker, the serial killer, was captured in East L.A. So that's good. It's always good to catch the serial killer when you can, if you can. Do you have uh, the back of the DVD summary for this one? I do. Lane Meyer is a teen with a peculiar family and a bizarre fixation with his girlfriend, Beth. When Beth dumps Lane, he decides to kill himself, making bumbling attempts at suicide. Outside of his morbid endeavors... Lane spends time with his oddball buddy, Charles, and befriends Monique, a visiting French student. Eventually, Lane resolves to race Beth's obnoxious new bow on the ski slopes with unexpected results. One of the weirdest things about this movie is that the sport was ski racing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like if it was, um, if it was like boxing or wrestling or even like street car racing or like any other competition... I would, but you know, whatever it's your movie, but and it, it, it was just, that went through me for a loop. Um, but yeah, no, it's a pretty good back. This is a tough one to sum up on the back of the. It is because it's funny because ob- obviously he's like really bummed when he gets dumped, but it's only for half of the film, his suicide attempts. Like the second half of it is kind of him meeting Monique and like, you know, sparking that relationship. But it's funny how like, it sounds like the whole movie centered around him finding these ways to kill himself. 
Right. And even if you, even if you know that, that they're not really like the attempts to commit suicide, like two of them kind of, he only really attempts it twice and they both kind of, it's like one second. It's not, if you didn't know, and you told someone the plot of this movie that they would think it was a lot darker than it is. I mean, it's the, the idea is dark, but it's not like he's like shooting himself and like waking up from a coma or whatever. It's, it's not that bad. So, um, so some people that were involved in the film and how they were doing going into it. So this is the first of two collaborations with John Cusack that you mentioned with director Savage Steve Holland. Second one, like you said, was One Crazy Summer the following year. So Steve Savage, Steve Holland or Savage or Steve, whatever he goes by. He wrote and directed this, also involved with, like we said, One Crazy Summer a year later. Um, directed How I got, on, got Into College in 89 animated the whammy on game show pressure luck on the game show pressure luck he studied animation in college and i think you can definitely tell that watching this movie like he definitely because it was weird so it's like he clearly wanted to fit that into the movie somehow it didn't seem like a normal fit would you agree oh definitely but i i mean i i didn't hate it either though that's the thing like the whole burger sequences and the beginning with the opening credits, I didn't hate it either. So it's, it's, it's this movie's interesting because I kind of accepted it pretty early on at what I was getting myself into. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's just it's just his style, his weird style. And it's kind of um, cool how we finally transitioned into that for like his career now. Like animation is, a, is actually like what he does now for the most right. part, which is kind right. of cool. Right, yeah. So Lane, played by John Cusack, one of the best high school slash like early 20s actors of all time, in my opinion. And a lot of it is because he actually looked at least close to high school age. Like if you see him in this or you see him in 16 Candles, he looks like a high school kid. So it's, it's which is refreshing, uh, especially for the 80s. So like I said, he, before this, he had 16 Candles. Uh, he had The Sure Thing. And then after this, he had a very small, well, not a very small, but he had a small role in uh, Stand By Me, One Crazy Summer with uh, Savage Steve again. Uh, eight men out say anything the grifters bullets over broadway he kind of picks up again in the late 90s there's a little bit of a lull and then in the late 90s he has like gross point blank con air thin red line being john malkovich and then into the 2000s with high fidelity runaway jury 2012 or 2012 hot tub time machine a million a million other movies quite the career for john cusack so his buddy played by Curtis Armstrong, who you may or you probably know if you do know him as Booger from the Revenge of the Nerds films, also in Risky Business, Ray, and a lot of voice work. So <clears throat> Monique, who played, was played by Diane Franklin. This wasn't the first time Diane Franklin actually used a French accent in the film, which I thought was a weird coincidence. She was a uh, second time, she was in the movie called Second Time Lucky in 84, a year before this, and she played a French nurse in world war one so she did it there and this is where i knew her from i was like why does that lady look so familiar she was princess elizabeth in bill and ted's excellent adventure oh, so this okay. is actually our this is actually our second movie yeah featuring featuring diane featuring diane franklin so that's cool <laughs> have you seen her other movie does she speak french in that as well no i haven't seen that one okay. no i haven't seen second time lucky i don't think i think she just has the accent but i'm like sure. her french was pretty good <laughs> was it it seemed like it was pretty good i took it in high school i like it. i know some of it but if she learned that for this small role, I'm like, oh, you know, all the power to her. Well, we'll get back to learning stuff for this role in, in a little bit. But <laughs> okay. uh, so 
uh, so anyway, his girlfriend, or at least his girlfriend at the beginning of the movie, Beth, is played by Amanda Weiss or Weiss. Do you know if it's Weiss or Weiss? Am I saying it wrong? I'm not sure. I, I, I was I, I was going with Weiss. All right, we're going with Weiss. So she was also in Fast Times, Nightmare on Elm Street, Silverado. She was in a lot of horror movies, and then she has some TV work in Highlander, CSI, and actually Cheers. So good for uh, good for her. And then lastly, have to mention the guy that played Ricky Smith, the creepy man who kept making very inappropriate moves on Monique. Creepy in real life too. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Turns out that wasn't much of a stretch for him. That guy, uh, he was played by Dan Schneider. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was involved in the production of a lot of children's shows, like all that, the Amanda show, Drake and Josh, Zoe, Carly, and, a, and quite a few others, which is great, right? Well, I'm going to say allegedly because I don't know how this like law works, but uh, he... He and uh, Nickelodeon parted ways because he allegedly did said some inappropriate things with child actors. Also a creepy fan of feet uh, has a foot thing, but yeah, he had some sketchy stuff with, with child actors. And so it's funny because watching the movie, I was like, I mean, it was, it was tough because the character of Ricky, I hated him, but he did. He was involved in a lot of the funnier scenes. Yeah. So while I was like, I hate this guy. I wish he wasn't in the movie. Then I was like, well, he, he is a part of the funnier scenes, but I, it sucks that he, the, the actor himself, Dan Schneider was a total creep in reality. Yeah. So um, did you have anything down for random facts, not related to Dan Schneider being a sexual predator? Or I have some, yes, I have okay. some. <laughs> um, so according to Savage Steve Holland, this film is mostly autobiographical. Holland really was suicidal when his high school girlfriend left him for captain of the ski team. Also, he really did have a paper boy named Johnny Gasparini who would harass him for $2. (laughs) According to Holland, when the film came out, the ex-girlfriend contacted him to apologize. That paper boy segment, though, even like before the whole $2 thing started happening with like him aiming at the garage windows was so funny. (laughs) You know what I didn't get about that is like the dad yeah, like him. If I was the dad or anyone, I'd be like, "I'm not giving you anything. You broke all my windows, and like, <laughs> yeah. if anything, you owe me money, you little, you little shit." But sorry, go ahead. So this is what makes this movie kind of <laughs> famous right now. Unfortunately, Savage Steve Holland stated in an interview that John Cusack hated this movie and walked out of the film after 20 minutes during a special screening yes. prior to the start of production on One Crazy Summer. Holland said the next morning that Cusack basically walked up and was like, "You know, you tricked me." Better Off Dead was the worst thing I've ever seen. I will never trust you as a director ever again. So don't speak to me, et cetera, et cetera. He was really upset. And then um, Holland said, what happened? What's wrong? And he just said that I sucked and it was the worst thing he had ever seen and that I had used him and made a fool of him and all this other stuff. It was so out of left field that it just floored me. Cusack completed principal photography on One Crazy Summer due to contractual obligations, but if it had not been for this, Cusack likely would not have done the second film with Holland. And it makes sense because if you've seen One Crazy Summer, you definitely see his acting kind of change from one point to another. So that kind of caught my attention. But I will say, as late as 20, because this this interview was during um, the press for One Crazy Summer in 1986. In 2015, John Cusack did a Reddit AMA and he said that he didn't hate this movie. He, I think, he, I think at the time he just didn't really understand it. Yeah. But he was pretty much defending himself, saying he he likes this movie. There are things we would have done differently, 
to make better. But he says that for all of his films was his <laughs> argument and defense. So I think he has changed a little bit in how he thinks about this film as the years went on because it has gotten this like cult status. But right. So Cusack no longer hates it as much as he once did. <laughs> so and and that's totally understandable because if you think about it, like so if you're when this movie came out, John Cusack had he had come onto the scene, but he was far from like established, right? So when when you're that early in your career, you're one role away from never being seen again. Yeah. So he probably was very stressed. He saw this movie and it's weird. And he was like, crap, I just ruined everything that I built up with like, you know, whatever else I had going on. So yeah, he was probably just stressed out. Yeah. Whatever, which is understandable. Everything else, or is that it? I have one more. So Savage Steve Holland made this film under schedule and under budget. Most of Better Off Dead was shot in Los Angeles, except for the various ski scenes, which were filmed in Snowbird, Utah. So not bad, Savage, for making it both under budget and under schedule. Yeah, no, that that's a always plus. So I talked about someone learning stuff for the film and, and different languages and stuff like that. You had the, some of the same facts that I had. The one that I had that you didn't have is Japanese actor uh, Yuji Okamoto was so excited. So if you've seen the movie, which I hope you have at this point, um, there's two uh, Asian, I think they're supposed to be Korean uh, characters that keep pulling up next to Cusack at like red lights and stop signs and stuff. And one of them keeps doing a Howard Cosell impression. And the whole plot is that he learned, he moved here and moved and and learned English by watching like Howard Cosell, which if you've ever watch old sports movies or if you've seen the movie Ali or old ABC sports stuff like Howard Cosell has a very distinct voice so the minute I heard it I was like oh he's doing a Howard Cosell but the actor Yuji Okamoto sorry if I'm mispronouncing that is I think it's that he's Japanese and he learned he got so into the character that he was like I'm gonna learn a Korean accent and then try to do what I would think a Korean American trying to do Howard Cosell would Man. sound like. So he goes through all this work, right? And then they just ended up dubbing over it because they 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 thought like they it, they didn't they didn't get it. So all of his hard work was oh that sucks was for nothing. Yeah, I was like, well, I was like, it sucks, and you know, that's cool. But at the same time, I was like, you're probably putting a little too much effort into doing a movie about suicide about it you know what i mean right he's, he's only in for this in the movie for if you put together what like three minutes yeah probably <laughs> at the most if you add everything up yeah maybe three minutes so yeah i know i thought that was a funny thing though a for effort though Good for him. <laughs> um st- as far as not in this millennium stuff that wouldn't fly today i thought i honestly thought compared to most 80s movies this one was pretty tame obviously i think today you'd have a it's a dark comedy so right it's Today, you would have a harder time joking around about suicide or you'd have to just do it carefully because people don't. But it's a dark comedy. So it's like, I, I thought, compared to other these movies, the bullying bullying's pretty tame. There's way less, like, usually there's some pretty, I don't know, stuff that doesn't age well in 80s movies. And this is not bad. So I didn't have anything. Do you have anything else? I pretty much have what you had. The suicide can be, you know, some people might, it might be tough to watch in 2021 but like he says a dark comedy so you have to go into it knowing that the whole movie is about the idea of this kid just being really bummed out right right um 
What do you have down for favorite scene or favorite scenes if you have more than one? I have a few actually. Cool, so, perfect. The car race with Monique and Ricky in the car. So this is like I think their third meet with um, our, as we just talked about here, our very committed actors, and I love how Monique makes the move to put her foot on the gas pedal. So they're all into it. Ricky's in the back seat, and then once they end up crashing into the water, the whole you know is Ricky dead? Ricky's dead. He just like seems like he's just like he accepts the fact that Ricky is dead in the back seat of his yeah, car. Just moves on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved when Monique and Lena fixed the car together. A lot of my fair scenes are with these two together because they were so good. Like I, one of my small gripes is not enough of them together, which is yeah. But either way, I love them fixing the car together and how she just happens to. She's very mysterious. She you that don't know scene, much about her. That scene is when I realized why Brian loved this movie. Because you got this like pretty French girl. Well, she's not French, but in the movie she's French. You got this pretty girl who's like into cars and whatever. Brian probably just had a huge crush on her, which I don't blame him. She's is he a big car person? So between this and he's way more of a car person than I am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, no. No, I love that scene because it's like we she's like mysterious in a way. We don't know right. anything about her. She skis apparently. She fixes cars. So she has like this whole like other world that we haven't known that we don't know enough yet. But I love how she just makes the first move to get it going. And then, you know, again, they're bonding over when they put in the garage and fixing up together. I thought that was a really good scene. And pretty much any scene with the paper boy asking for his two dollars to ultimately getting pushed off of, of a mountain, which I thought was hilarious. And I wish I this is really dark, but I kind of wish we didn't know what happened after that. I kind of wish we just accepted the fact that he died, should be died. in yeah. that given moment. Because <laughs> this movie's so ridiculous. I was like, okay, this is amazing. Yeah. He falls very high, and then only to find out that he's, you know, he wakes cliff. up. Yeah, yeah, he wakes up, you know, asking for his two dollars again. I'm like, oh. But I loved any sequence with <clears throat> with the paper boy on putting skis on his bike. <laughs> I love what you said about the paper boy. I love the scenes with the with the uh, the two guys pulling up next to him and doing the Howard Cosell voice. I, anytime <laughs> they came on, I was like smiling and laughing. Um, did you have another scene or? I mean, I can go on. Like, there's a ton of scenes that laugh, but these are the, my these are my three main ones. So my my real favorite scene is the dinner scene, mostly because I loved any scene with his mom. She's she's like trying so hard, and it could be because my mom can't cook at all and she would tell you that she my mom's not a good cook but she did her best and i appreciate that and so and and the mom also accidentally foils another one of the suicide attempts right at the beginning because he's about yeah. to drink so yeah so but that scene where it features his family creepy ricky and monique and lane at his best and it's probably one of the most quotable i think where his mom's like we have French fries, French dressing, French bread. So I, I, I like that scene. And then that's probably my, my real choice. And then another one that I really liked is in the beginning of the film, when he's driving to school uh, after Beth breaks up with him and he hears the radio, the car radio is just breakup song after breakup song after breakup song. And it, it, it kind of made me think of uh, High Fidelity. And just like how he's doing, goes through like John Cusack in that movie goes through all his favorite, you know, breakup songs and albums and everything like that. So yeah, that, but my favorite one was probably the dinner. But I loved uh, soundtrack wise, I loved the the breakup music. So speaking of soundtrack, I, you probably have a little bit more than I do. But the notes I made is I think the '80s decade was the peak as far as movie soundtracks goes. Um, this one isn't the best, 
but it's not bad. And like I said, I love I love the scene where he's driving around and hears all the breakup songs and like breaking up is hard to do. Uh, she's gone, hurts so bad. And this one also has Winter Wonderland, Everybody Wants Some by Van Halen. So pretty good 80s soundtrack. What did you have? Uh, the soundtrack was uh, by Rupert Hine, and he was worked with tons of other musicians such as Tina Turner, Rush, Stevie Nicks, and you know tons of more. And he has a lot of solo stuff as well, including 11 albums under his band name Think Man, and was a member of Quantum Jump, which apparently had a hit in the late 70s. Um, but on top of that, there's also a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of licensed tracks as, uh, as well that he produced, actually. He produced all of them, with the exception of two. Um, Dancing Isolation by Terry Nunn of Berlin, the opening track with One Look by members of the band The Fix. So lots of music out there. Like you said, very 80s-esque. And what's interesting, this soundtrack came out on CD and was actually missing a lot of the tracks from the movie, which I'm sure got a lot of fans really upset. <laughs> Buying a soundtrack for a film with all this miscellaneous music that you don't recognize. <laughs> I've had that happen before. I think I told the story on the podcast before, but I bought the um, Can't Hardly Wait soundtrack. And one of the, probably like one of the biggest reasons I bought it was I wanted um, Romeo, and, Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits. And it wasn't on the podcast, on, on the soundtrack, and it killed me. I was like, oh, that used to happen all the time back in the day. Kids today's will, kids today will never know the, the feeling of, but, um, so if you could change one thing about this, what would you change? So the ridiculousness of it all, it just works, in my opinion. I fully, like I said it before, I fully accepted what I was getting myself into with just the opening credits alone. And then the burger scene kind of solidified what I was already like, you know, what I already knew going into this, but you could argue that this, this is a longer character in this movie. You could argue that some of them don't get enough screen time or some get too much screen time. I'm on one hand where, like you mentioned before, Ricky is, he has some funny scenes, but I could have done with a little less of Ricky and maybe more of Charles, for example. And I really wish we got more of Monique and Lane together because their chemistry is super it's they feel like they're real and she's not even in the movie until like 40 minutes into the movie or right something. we I, I do like the hints so I will say I love how they set it up I love how we see her real fast in the beginning looking out her window when we don't know whose character is she sees Lane um you know getting ready for his ski tryouts we see her look like looking at him periodically for the movie and like I love the build-up between these two characters so I don't want to take that away because I love how we how once they start talking outside of dance, it's like finally, you know, they've they're finally doing it. But I wish we had more scenes of them together, even if it meant taking out some of the other side stuff to get to that point. I agree with that. Just following up what you said, uh, the dance might actually have been my favorite scene. I might I might take that back. I love that whole dance sequence. Me too. <laughs> and then the build, I, I agree with that too. I just wish that I think, like you said, it could have been I could have dealt with a little bit more. They could have I could have, uh, I would have liked to see a little bit more of them, and I wish it happened a little bit sooner. You don't yeah. need to go. I don't know what the actual timestamp is, but it was something like forty minutes into the movie, right? No, definitely. Really, yeah. So the one thing I will disagree with you on, though, is if I could change anything about this movie, I hated Charles, <laughs> and like he was just, he was too weird. So, <laughs> so here's the thing too: is so everything I said about John Cusack and how he's great as like a high school 20 year old actor because he looks like that age charles looked 
45 years old. Charles did not age very well. I will give you that. No, no. <laughs> but if you look at if you look at him now, if you look at uh, Curtis Armstrong he looks, now, he, he looks about the same age. He does. I know. <laughs> so I would. So anyway, I besides the stubble and everything and how he looks like he's 40, I just didn't like him in general. And if I could change anything, I would rewrite that entire character. But high school, I made a list of high school movies, friends of the main character that I liked more, just some random ones. So David Crumholes as Michael in 10 Things I Hate About You, also known as the elf in uh, yes, Santa Claus. Yes. Uh, Lauren Ambrose as Denise in Can't Hardly Wait. Alan Ruck as Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. These are some like they're all very balanced characters. Like they kind of have their head on straight, whereas Charles really didn't. That's <laughs> what I kind of like. Yeah. His, like a loudness. Like he's just so fucking out there. But he's like they're also they're good at like they're they're the polar opposite of the character. Like Lauren Ambrose as Denise and Ken already wait. Like Preston's like so full of like he's like this is it. I'm gonna get my girl and she's very negative. Same thing. Alan Ruck and as Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Everything goes right for Ferris. He's so positive. Alan's negative. You know what I mean? Like he. So I don't know. I just didn't like that character. That would that would be what I would change. I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's Curtis Armstrong's fault. Armstrong's fault, but he did look forty. But no, he definitely did. <laughs> but the writing and, of the character was bad too. Could, I, he, I'd agree with you. Like how the he needs some like if I think if he was in the movie more, then we would have need some more of that like balance. Like almost like he would have to like definitely be a little more supportive in ways or a complete negative. But I think with him not being in the movie as much, it's almost like he's just there for the jokes and like to make you a laugh for a quick second and like move on. Okay. Then if that's the case, I'm going to need him to be under 60 years old. Like <laughs> that, that's, that's... Was, he looked, he definitely looks a little bit older. <laughs> a little bit old. He looks like he could have been the dad, but um, so anyways, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know, this is when we give our, our scores. Uh, we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you start watching the movie. You see that this kid has like 80 pictures of his girlfriend that he's been dating for six months Dude, all over his room. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> I don't support well. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. you're like, I don't support this stalker. <laughs> and you turn off the movie all the way up to a score of five, which is I love this movie. I'm going to keep it an extra day or two or three so I can show my friends. Uh, maybe even just buy it from the rental store so I can keep it forever. So uh, I think we talked before the podcast. Joe's going to give first, give his score first. Joe, scale of one to five. What do you think about Better Off Dead? I think you might be surprised with this one, Eric. So I always wanted to see this movie, and the cover is really iconic to me for whatever reason, like I mentioned. But I saw I got around the gang. I saw I got around the watching, unfortunately. With this being Brian's suge- suggestion, though, I was sort of excited to finally go into this one, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. As this played, I realized I knew a ton of these quotes, not knowing where they came from originally. So this was a nice surprise. Um, the characters are all great, both smaller and larger roles. And this movie is super quotable. It's I found that oddly relatable with the relationship between Lane and Monique. This like language barrier in some ways, which is pretty much how I communicate with Pal. Oh, so, yeah. Like, I liked how right from when they started getting together, they felt like they were already together for like a whole hour before they met. The country was super good. And I wish, like I mentioned, there was more of that instead of taking close to a whole act and have to get to their first conversation. I like the buildup of it, but I kind of wish that they either removed some of the smaller jokes that really didn't carry the movie or make it even longer, I thought, which is a compliment. But 
caught me completely off guard how much I enjoyed this. I watched it twice in two days. With that said, I give it a four out of five. Wow. I loved it. So no, thanks for the pick, Brian. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I I had no idea what you were gonna think of this one. I had no idea what I was gonna think of it, but I had even less of a clue because I, I could have seen I could could have seen it going both ways. So here's my scoring breakdown. Some things that took points off, some things that added points on. So I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but the movie's a little choppy and 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 like rough, but that's a good and a bad thing for me because I think this it gives off like almost like amateur vibes or like college project vibes, you know what I mean? Like someone in film school in a good way. It was still super early for Cusack. Watching this, it it kind of felt like, you know, when you listen to it, like so if there's a band that you're really into and you love the band and they have like their first or first or second album and then you know later on they've got six albums and then you go back and you listen to the first one and it sounds like rough but and not too polished but it's like a good thing because you can see the just the raw talent but it just hasn't been polished like i said so that's the feeling i got from this one also another reason it's awesome hour and a half perfect for this type of movie if this movie was 15 minutes longer i would have liked it significantly less really this okay is, well i mean it, it like it depends on how they spent the 15 minute movie but 15 minutes but just to put this on for 90 minutes and just it's a super rewatchable movie yeah i guess that's what i'm saying so 80s fashion was on point <laughs> peak of that was the dancing for sure um i already talked about so the stuff i didn't like talked about charles um, more, I guess, more importantly, the character of Roy and the character of Beth, the ex-girlfriend. Roy wasn't a good bad guy to me, and the reason for that is I didn't really hate him because I wasn't really like jealous or afraid of him. Um, he wasn't physically imposing, not very likable. I kind of wanted John Cusack to just be like, "How about I just beat the shit out of you?" Because I, I also thought like he was just kind of like. He also looks really old, by the way. Do you know? Look, he, he, he was thirty years old. Yeah, he did. Thirty years old in high school, but I kind of wish, like, one of the movies, like the way this movie was already kind of ridiculous. I kind of wish, other than the coke sequence, which was kind of nice, we saw one punch from Cusack. Just yeah. one punch is what I wanted. Right. <laughs> not, to yeah, condone, not to condone violence, but you no, know, it's, no. Sometimes it's, people it's, it's need it's to get the type punched of in the movie face. Where, right. <laughs> I'm condoning violence. Sometimes people need to get punched <laughs> in the face. And uh, yeah, and and like Roy, like. Maybe it's just because we just saw it, and that's why this is on my mind. But Biff and Back to the Future, significantly bigger than Michael J. Fox, like a total jerk. And he played the role so well. Like Roy in this, I was just like, you're kind of just like, you're a tool, but yeah. you know, you're not that way. So I think they could have done better there. Beth, obviously a very pretty girl, but she kind of seemed like a bitch. And okay. tell me, this is I'm gonna re- I'm gonna tie this to another movie, Joe, and you okay. tell me, you know who she reminded me of? Who? Tris and Nick and Nora. Oh yes, that's where it's like what, what, what she if she wants she can't have basically. Yeah, you're like, but you're like, dude, why are you so hung up on on Beth? Yeah, you have Monique. Just like, why was Nick so hung up on Tris when he had Nora? Yeah, I liked Monique more than I like Beth. She's oh for sure. I mean, they're both pretty girls, but she was she was a beautiful girl. I'm like, Lane, you're good, dude. Walk yeah. away. You're you forget about her. Yeah. But all that said. I really enjoyed watching this one. I love Cusack. Um, love seeing kind of like the beginning of Cusack, you know, because we see him at 16 Candles, but he's kind of just like a background character. So this is 
one of the one of if not the first movies where we see it's based on Cusack. So not the best 80s movie, not the best Cusack movie for me, but a super fun rewatch and definitely one that I think doesn't get enough attention. And I would encourage all of you, if you haven't watched it, if you've seen it, this is how I was. I saw it, you know, 20 years ago or something, hadn't seen it in a long time. Go back and rewatch it if you can find it, uh, which good luck, but go back and rewatch it. I think you'll enjoy it. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Okay. So, yeah. The beer. Uh, oh, yeah. So, Brian, thank you very much for the yes, recommendation. Yes, Brian. Thank you for the suggestion. pick. Yep. Appreciate it. Anyone else? Um, follow us on Instagram. Send us a message. Worth a late fee on Instagram. Send in your requests and we'll get to them as quickly as possible. Uh, the beer, things we don't say from Eagle Park Brewing is delicious. So that's a win for that as well. This was kind of like my pick. It was Brian's pick. But so Joe's up next. Joe, what are we what are we talking about? So I was on Reddit the day and I saw a clip for a movie that I've only seen once a long time ago with, again, we were talking about it, Steve Martin. We're going to be watching My Blue Heaven. Wow. Have you, have you seen that? I have not. Okay. I've only seen it once a long time ago on TV, never from the beginning. So the quote I saw on Reddit, though, made me laugh. So I'm like, okay, this could be a good one. All right. All right. I like Steve Martin. So that's good. Rick Moranis is in that too. Rick Moranis. Yep. All right. And Steve Martin right. thinks he's probably an Italian mobster. And his name's, I think, like something, some very Americanized name, like Todd or something. <laughs> so. Oh, and Joan Cusack's in this. So we got the, the other member of the Cusack family. That's good. All right. I guess next week we're talking about My Blue Heaven. Thank you guys very much for listening. And we'll be back next week. As always, everyone, thank you. And thanks again for the uh, suggestion, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian.